0: of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number sixty-eight point two, and we're continuing our playthrough of Final Fantasy Twelve, The Zodiac Age. Today, I have with me my co-host Matt Quinn. Hello, hello. And yeah, we're 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 trekking along. Uh, I I will go ahead and say that I don't know if there's much to talk about in this episode, as far as a, as far as I got. Um, but I put some time into it and how, co-
1: how far into it are you total
0: uh, i'd say hours total i would say is around maybe 13 hours okay so um and a little bit past where i am is according to one of our listeners the halfway mark i don't feel like i have played half of this game no but, me either yeah uh but we'll see i don't know and i and honestly i think it's because of the speed up In, you know, 2006, when this game came out, you didn't have that speed up mechanic that allowed you to travel faster. I guarantee you, man, I would have got so bored with this game back then. (laughs) Because of all just the walking and walking and nothing happening. Yeah, there's a lot of walking for sure. And the battles, man. I can't do a battle in standard mode. Like I can't do a battle in, in the standard speed.
1: It's so long. So you've been playing a lot of this game sped up?
0: Yes. I've played, the, I'd say seventy percent of this game sped up.
1: Uh, I would say for me, it's probably twenty percent, and it's essentially my last twenty percent. I initially I was only using the speed up feature if I had to cross, say, uh, some planes or or a dungeon or something. But th- that's kind of where it started, and then I decided to start using it in battles, but only battles if I knew I was going to win. Like if I was grinding, uh, but over the last, I'd say three or four hours of gameplay, I've been using it more and more, and it's 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 be kind of becoming a, a constant. Yeah.
0: It. I mean, man, I don't know how people did it on the PS2. The,
1: no, I guess it, if it, if it's real tough enemies, I won't do it though. Just I, I don't want something you know in two or three seconds to go off the rails and I die. But
0: yeah, it, it, and, and I have caught myself a couple of times. Where, like, oh, great, two of my party members are dead, now I have to switch leaders and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I need to put it on normal speed. Um, and I have been using the four times speed, uh, which is almost impossible to navigate because you're moving so fast. <laughs> uh, I have officially switched it to two times the speed. Because, yeah, this last dungeon that we're going to talk about, it's, it's so many corridors. With the four times speed, I was getting turned around way too easily. Um, but yeah, so the last thing we left off, we were actually in kind of in a big cliffhanger moment. Uh, we're on, we're captured on the Leviathan. The Imperials have us, uh,
1: and the judge, judge geese,
0: I think is his name.
1: Yeah. Uh, Not like a, not like a goose though. It's not sound very intimidating.
0: No, no. Uh, or like, well, I don't know. There was a guy named Geese Howard in the Fatal Fury series who was the main villain. <laughs> uh, and he was a badass. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, he has, alright, so I'm confused now. Uh, once again, I'm confused, uh, with this game. What exactly was that thing that, was that Vaughn had that he stole from the treasury that Geese now
1: has. That was straight up magicite, I believe.
0: Okay. I don't know what... (laughs) I'm... All right, so I'm confused. So... What was the thing that we went to the temple and got
1: the Wraith. That pistol. was a specific artifact. The the Dawn Shard, right? Yes.
0: So was this thing that Vaughn had a Shard as well, or no? Because both items was, was able to signify that Ash is royalty.
1: Am I correct in saying that? I believe so. Definitely the artifact can. Yeah. The shards. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. So he has that. Uh, and we are making our escape off of the Leviathan. The airship Leviathan. Um, for those of you who have not realized this yet, the airships in this game are what are named after the summons of other final fantasy games. So at the beginning of the game, they had the, the battleship ifrit and that <laughs> we have the Leviathan here. And pretty soon we're going to find ourselves on the board, the Shiva. So they're naming their ships after the summons. <laughs> um, but then we also get summons later on, which we'll talk about in this episode as well yep so uh making our way through the leviathan we reach ash we rescue her she joins the party now we must escape uh the entire ship is on red alert and i had a little bit of a time getting through this uh because constantly enemies will spawn in and try to kill you um I had to take it slow in this one. I could not do four times speed. as if I did four times speed, guys just kept coming. Yep. So I did normal speed. I made my way through. I was able to stop the alarm. I killed as many guys as I could. Um,
1: and then just walked th- through it kind of thing. So when you were having the trouble with it, was that all sped up?
0: Uh, no, because I would slow it down. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Because I'd get overwhelmed and... I finally came to the realization that I need to focus on certain enemies first. So, anytime there was a mage in the group, kill that guy first, no matter what. Yeah, because that I guy think that's will a dis- good, good strategy. He, he will <laughs> disable everything. Because when if you have a party member who is blind, they are useless. They are absolutely useless.
1: They yeah, or if they're stone the or petrified. Yeah,
0: petrified. Poison's not so bad, but they will eventually die. i tell you, the biggest one is doom. I can't stand when somebody's got doom because it's just automatic. You're going to die. And yep. I, I, I don't know what cure, cures that. Maybe a remedy?
1: I don't know. Yeah, potentially. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Um. Do you have a little, uh, uh, little factoid here? the dawn shard's not actually magicite, it's the nethesite okay and i think specifically it's deaffected nethesite yeah which is
0: pure magicite.
1: or pure
0: nethesite
1: so nethesite i think is like magicite except it can absorb this mist okay like we saw in the tomb I don't know. Yeah, I just had to see it.
0: It's
1: a subtype of magicite It absorbs copious amounts of mist and can release it as magical energy. Okay. So the, the shards are different from that. Um. So yeah, magicite is sort of the simplest form. Nethisite is like a more specified version of magicite, And the shards, I think, are a more specified version of Nethisite. Okay, gotcha. And then there's... There's also manufactured nethersite versus natural, and the manufactured stuff is weaker. Gotcha. Which is what we'll get to here in a couple couple minutes. Okay. So
0: we um make it through this difficult part, um, and uh, you lied to me. <laughs> You said that there was a safe crystal before the boss fight. You are a liar.
1: Uh
0: <laughs> There I, isn't. I don't I didn't see one. I ran right into a boss fight with Geese and I was like, "Oh good. I'm half dead
1: <laughs> going into a boss fight." There I could have swore there was one because I died fighting him once. And only replayed like two minutes.
0: You probably had a save point. Like they have, they have auto saving in this game.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that could have been what it is.
0: Yeah. Um, but I really need the healing from the crystal is what I needed. <laughs> uh, but now nah, actually, Geese wasn't that difficult. Uh, I brought out Pinello, who is my white mage. And man, she's, she's a champ, man. She, she keeps everybody alive until she runs out of MP and then well, then everybody's going to die. So. Uh, but yeah, um, we defeat Geese. We don't kill him. We, we knock his helmet off. And we see how really goofy that guy looks. Um. And, uh, for some reason, we, we don't kill him. And then we run away from him. Maybe because we're trying to, we're in a hurry to get away from everybody because there's more guards coming or something like that. But I was like, why don't you just finish this dude off? He's just going to be really bad trouble later on.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a few times in this game where we could do that, but we, I don't know, do the honorable thing?
0: I guess. Um, so we make our escape. We uh, we jump onto one of their, I guess, escape ships. I don't know what you'd call those things.
1: Yeah, by escape pods, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we
0: head back to, um, Rabanaster. Um, so, uh, we, no, we don't go back to Rabanaster, do we? Um,
1: let's see. I think we, no, we go to visit Andor, I think. That's right. In
0: Buharba. Uh, we go back there. Because we you know he seems he's on our side secretly, um, even though he turned us in, he did that so that Vossler could uh, his secret agent Vossler could come in and and help us rescue Lady Ash
1: and Vossler's interesting because there's so much of this game I, I feel like that really plays with that idea that we both want the same thing, but we don't agree on how to get there.
0: We have go. different
1: methods, and I, you're now my enemy. Even though we want the same thing, because you're in my way, and I think my way is the right way.
0: Exactly, I, th- I think that the 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 most clear cut villain in this game so far is geese <laughs> I mean, he I yeah. mean, he is because that guy's bad. He's evil. Yep. You know, he, he craves power. You can tell. While the other bad guys in this game don't really seem like bad guys. They seem like people caught up in this war, and they really wouldn't want to be in that position. But they have to be. Yep. So, uh, well, yeah, we go back to the, the floating city in the sky. And uh, we talk to um, what we find out is Ash's uncle. Um, What was his name? Start with the O. Ondor? Ondor. That's right, Ondor. The Marquis? Yeah, the, um, the, the actual, the, uh, the narrator of this story. Yep. Uh, he, uh, God, I, uh, he's wanting to, uh, basically hold Ash there because it's far too dangerous to go out. And, um, you know, he's like, everybody thinks you're dead. That's for the best. Let's not reveal you to anybody just yet, because you know when you do that, all eyes are going to be on you
1: and on me for having lied. Yeah. Or was it not? Was it him? Yeah, it was him. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, he was the one who announced to everybody. She killed herself. Yep. Um. So, uh, she's like, "All right, fine." She agrees to it, and then she immediately decides to escape and run off.
1: And part of that's because he said, we we can't prove that you are who you say you are. Exactly. And if you could do that, we'd have a much better case. Yeah.
0: Well, it just so happens she knows where there is an item that will show her royal blood. Uh, and she knows exactly where it is. We just have to get to it. So she decides to take off. but But before she can do that, she runs back into Vaughn. And Vaughn's like, well, if you're going, I'm going. Of course, she's, you know, Balthier's right right along there somewhere. He's always eavesdropping somewhere.
1: Yeah, th- this is like the second or third time we've had a scene like this. And they're okay, but they're kind of corny. It's like they need to stick in ten seconds to justify why way everybody would want to go. Right. Like, we actually don't need, like, the whole team wouldn't want to go, but we got to come up with some reason to get everybody on this damn ship.
0: Well, she wanted to steal Balthier's ship. Yep. And Balthier's like, well, you can't use my ship without some type of compensation. She's like, okay, how about all the treasures of, of Dalmasca? I know where they are. And the thing that I want is in that treasure vault as well. And he's like, okay. So that means Franz's coming. Bosch wants to come because he now vows to protect her and her resistance to fight off the Imperials. And Vaughn's like, yay adventurer. Um, and Pinello's like, well, I need to protect this idiot. So, that's where we get our party. And so we, uh, we take off. We're going to be heading to the Sand Sea. We have to cross the Sand Sea in order to get to this Wraith Wall. Is it Wraithwall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wraith wall Temple? Is that what it is? Tomb. Tomb. Wraithwall Tomb. Yep. And, um... So we got to make a pit stop first. We got to go across this sand sea, which I thought was actually really interesting. Yep,
1: uh, the- this is the part I was in when I said the dungeons get less boring in mm-hmm. the last episode, right? Because th- this, to me, was a bit of a breath of fresh air, or as much as a dungeon can be, because they, you know, inherently repetitive, but just didn't have that same bored feel while playing through some of these. L- i don't know i want to say mid-game dungeons but they just didn't feel as boring to me as as the the sewers
0: the sewers or the mines yeah or an underground tomb which we will be going to soon yeah um but yeah the sand sea was really cool it's literally a sea made of sand where you know if you put your hand in what looks like water and you pull it out it's sand it's like that magic sand stuff that you see on tv where they they pour sand into like water and it turns into a solid yeah and then you <laughs> grab it and you pull it up out of the water and it turns back the sand <laughs> uh <laughs> as seen on tv uh yeah uh so we're crossing that which is like these large bridges that have been constructed and uh man the the star wars hits just keep coming so while we're crossing the bridges, we get a cutscene of what look like these sand people. Yep. <laughs> who even sound like sand people. <laughs> and, uh, they look like, you know, they look like the sand people from Tatooine.
1: Yeah, uh, the Jawas, right?
0: Is that what they were called? The Jawas?
1: Yeah, a little robed guys. Yeah.
0: And so, um, <laughs> we had to fight a bunch of them. Uh, some of those can be annoying because they can cast slow on your party members. Yeah. And, uh yeah, your active time battle gauge doesn't really fill up very fast when you're slow.
1: Yeah, they all seem to hit Vaughn with that for me.
0: Yeah, it's always Vaughn. So have you... Do you constantly have Vaughn in your party? Yes. that's it, it always happens that way, doesn't it? Yep. Even he, though he's a nobody. Even though he's a nobody, even though you can change him out whenever you want to, so you can level up everybody accordingly, I still have
1: Vaughn as the leader. Yep. See, part of that for me is just that I need somebody who's a leader. I need somebody who while I'm trying to rotate in the other characters to get levels, I need one character that is going to always be well leveled. Um and also I feel like Games generally make your main character well-rounded so that I'm not going to get too stuck by having him in my party. Um, I feel like in general I'm going to find more equipment that he can use than any other individual character can use. I don't know if that's true, but I just feel a little safer having the main character in my party even if he's not better than some of the others. That's true. And with the way you can set up these different classes, you can kind of make anybody balanced balanced or non-balanced
0: that's that's the thing that I actually really like about this game is the the class structure mixing and matching which we're gonna get into um, it works because there's there's not one class that's better than the other you know yep. you could have a black mage who is a, a complete and utter badass when it comes to throwing magic but at the same time Panella who's my white mage is doing work too um, so. Yeah, so currently, I forgot, I, I don't know if we fully mentioned what our classes are. I've got Vaughn as the, the dagger wielding Shiki. I can't remember, I don't know how you pronounce it, but he's, he's like the thief character. The, Shiki the or Shikari or Shikari, something like that. He's, he's the, yeah. he's the rogue type character. Uh, I've got, um, uh, Balthier as a knight. I have Fran as the Yulon, which is the, the, Spear wielding character. I have Bosch as a, a foe breaker who is kind of like your berserker kind of character. Yep. Um, and I have, uh, Pinello as my white mage healer and I have Ash as my black mage damage dealer with magic DPS character.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say my, my layout's fairly similar, just, just different. I mean, I've got a lot of the same ones. I guess I've got Pinello is mainly a red mage. Okay. I've got Ash as my my pure healing white mage. Uh I've got Bosch as my foe breaker. I've got Vaughn as my knight. Uh Balthier is my is a time mage. And Fran is a archer. Because... I, yeah. Fran and Boltheer are are interesting to me. They're both evolving into characters that stay in the background and do a little bit of everything.
0: So yeah, that's that's my weakness right now. My weakness is if you noticed, I have all melee characters except for Ash who can throw magic abilities at people. That comes up. <laughs> that comes up hardcore <laughs> real soon. Um so as we're crossing the sand sea fighting off the uh, the sand people um we uh run into a a moogle who is kind of like the halfway point between the sand seas there's two different sand seas that you have to cross and when we get there we talk to this moogle there's a save point and uh he's like uh the the sand people are having a uh a hard time with this giant turtle that's you know that's terrorizing their area uh, I bet you would uh, get some brownie points if you go help them out and taking that thing down. And sure enough, as soon as I cross into the other area, they're fighting that giant turtle. <laughs> uh, that turtle weirdly,
1: and not like not like in a boss way either.
0: No, this is like a mini boss, if that.
1: Yeah, that, that's the thing that I thought was weird. Here is you hear about this turtle that's terrorizing them, and it's just another enemy that you walk into them fighting against each other yeah
0: and and the the thing i lucked out on was that it targeted all the sand people before
1: it targeted me yep i actually just sat in the back and watched them fight for about five minutes
0: nice i should have done that i I ran right in
1: yeah they were not terribly quick so after about five minutes i'm like all right these, these guys aren't that hard at the moment so i'll just wipe out all the the jawas first
0: but i um uh defeated the uh the giant turtle went back to the Moogle, uh, to Because I was like, "Oh, this is a side quest." I wasn't even thinking about it. And he said, "Oh, well, the guy who um, asked for the help, he uh, went off back the way you came." So I go back. I was like, "Why did I do this?" Because it, it feels like you know that Nino Cooney padding. Yep. I ran up there, got a cutscene, then ran back. Then ran up there and got a cutscene. Then ran back again. <laughs> so <laughs> we run back. We see him go back toward the Moogle, go back to the Moogle, and there's they're having like a trial for this guy, and uh, the Queen is there, and she uh, kills him. I guess I don't know what she does. Banishes him or whatever, but he he evaporates into nothing. Um, because uh, they're a very proud people and they don't need any help from outsiders. And uh, he has, when he dies, he or whatever happens to him, he leaves a blossom, a flower blossom that pops up out of the sand. And uh, we can harvest the berries from it. Those berries come in handy a little bit later on. Because I, I I I'm not looking at a fact unless I get stuck or anything like that. Yeah, um, I haven't been either. But I looked at a fact when I got these berries, and I was like, "What the hell do I do with these things?" So I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I can use them on the next boss
1: fight." That would have been nice. Yeah, you didn't do that. No, I I beat the turtle, but I never went back afterwards. Oh no, <laughs> I got no berries.
0: <laughs> I got these berries, right? So we crossed the second sand sea. I'll just go ahead and say that. And we make it to the entrance to uh, Wraithwall.
1: I love the, the cut scene where – th- is it more of the, the sand people riding in on sand sharks
0: basically? That, that was the beginning. That was whenever we first ran into them.
1: Uh, I thought that was halfway through. Uh, F- friend says something about there's something worse than the sandstorm coming, and I was – well, sure, exactly what she meant, and then a bunch of enemies came on these sharks. I don't know if that's what she meant, but it it seemed very Sharknado esque at the time.
0: Well, you know what it reminded me of when I saw them because they look like they look like weird, like Mad Max rebels riding land sharks. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, the the smokers from Waterworld. <laughs> Do <laughs> you remember Waterworld? Oh yes, and the uh the guys on the jet skis. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of those, and I was like, "What is this Waterworld? <laughs> Where's Kevin Costner?" But, and then uh,
1: there's other one other cool cut scene that there, there's been a couple of them, and they're, they're like the total divergence from our characters and what we're doing. It's when they cut to Arcadia. There was one big one early on in this section where they cut to, um. Gal, Galbranth? The king? Speak, yeah, speak, while well, speaking with the emperor. So yeah. the judge speaking to the emperor. And they're talking about who's going to succeed the emperor. He's getting old. You know, and Galbranth says, I'm going to – I'll kill my own brother if I need to to keep us safe. Yeah. So that's – I want to know where, where that's coming from. Because so, it's kind of a cool, like, window into Arcadia. They talk – you know, this happens a, a bunch of times where you get a sense of the behind-the-scenes there, the, what they're planning for, what their issues are. But they're, they're kind of short enough snapshots that you don't really get enough to sink your teeth into. I guess story-wise, but uh, I also like how he says he doesn't want to see his sons warring with each other. It's like the Emperor's maybe... Softened a little bit in his old age. Yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me of the, the white witch in
0: Nino Cooney whenever she's talking to her council members or whatever. Yep. Um, but it, it also brings up the fact that I don't know if Arcadia is bad or, or, I don't think the king is bad. Um, and we'll, I'll go ahead and throw my theory in there. I think that the Senate that the king relies on is the bad guys. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't like that. I want to know more about Bosch's twin brother and how he became an agent for Arcadia. Yeah. They get separated at birth and one of them went to the dark side. <laughs> is that what happened? Probably. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we make it to Wraithwall, uh, the entrance to it. And um, out of nowhere, here comes a boss fight.
1: Yeah, which you know is coming. Anytime, like, I'm pretty sure at this point that the screen faded to black and said save your game. It doesn't do that very often in this game.
0: Yeah, it says we, we'll give you the option to save your game right here if you'd like. Yeah,
1: I'm like, like, great. <laughs> I think I know what's coming up next then.
0: Yeah. So uh, we have a fight with a f- flying griffin.
1: Call it a dragon phoenix. Dragon phoenix. Um, sounds, sounds pretty badass.
0: Yeah. So this thing constantly flies.
1: Yep. Which is why I had some trouble with it. Yeah.
0: Guess what I had. I had all melee characters that couldn't reach it. Huh. Um, with the exception of Fron. Because Fran has is basically a dragoon, which is uh, a, a lance wielder. She can reach the enemy. But there's one thing I forgot to mention. Vossler shows up. Uh, Vossler shows up uh, as we're entering the Sand Sea. And is like, you guys left. And uh, I had to come find you. I knew where you were going. So I'm coming to to come along with you because you're going to need help.
1: Yep, yeah, pretty good helper.
0: He is a very good helper because he has a very nice ability called Telekinesis where he can do damage to flying enemies using melee attacks. So I had him doing Telekinesis. I had uh attacking with a lance. And then I used my little berries that I had that I got from that side quest. Those berries do about 30% of that enemy's health. Whoa. Yeah. So I, uh, when I got that boss down to about half health, I then chose Vaughn to throw those berries at him. It does dark damage to him. And he went from half health to about maybe three or four more hits and he's dead. So yeah. Mm. Uh, that boss fight wasn't that difficult. It was just making sure Fran stayed alive and Vossler. Because those were the only two people that were actually doing any damage
1: to it. Yeah, it was it was kind of tough for me. I didn't die, but I basically had to run – like just sprint away from it, heal myself, sprint, heal, then try and resurrect some characters. Uh, I got I got close to failing it just because I, I couldn't really hit it. I mean Balthir and Fran both were attacking it with ranged weapons, but they were both fairly weak. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so here's like, yeah. here's my issue with this game, is that since you have to purchase everything, I never have enough money to fully get my characters to the best that they can be right now.
1: Which I feel like is the way it should be. You
0: think so? Because...
1: It, I feel like you should have to make choices. Which characters do you want to outfit? If you can just outfit every character with every best piece of equipment, you it, it might as well not even have options.
0: Well, I mean, th- then make the enemies diff- more difficult. That's that's my thing is, is, you know, in an RPG, you want to get – you know, you want to be the maxed out character. I mean that's the whole goal of it is to get stronger and stronger and, you know – I wouldn't say run over guys. This isn't Diablo. I mean in Diablo is what you do. You you're there to, to mass kill tons of enemies. Yeah. But but in, in an RPG you want to become, you know, super strong and money is getting in my way of that. <laughs> Me did-
1: too, which is why I, I I think you had said it last week that you had it set up where somebody somebody was auto stealing. Yes. Yeah, I did that as well and I'm finally I feel like turning the corner on that because I've I've been money strapped this entire game, uh, but only recently did I actually buy the stuff that I could buy, and actually had money left over for the first time.
0: That uh, it, so it's either I have my characters outfitted pretty good, but I, so I'll put it this way: I have a black mage who has the ability to use fire and water and wind that's it because you have to buy spells in this game and spells are not cheap and the problem is is that like you know it's either do i outfit my melee characters which is predominantly what i have or do i go and save my money and buy some spells for ash so that she can actually be viable and i just i really don't like that i i really don't like that about this game do you think that that's meant to drive grinding I mean, it's obviously there to drive grinding. Yeah. Yep. Uh, The thing is, is man, that's going to take a lot of grinding because not every enemy will drop something. You can't always steal something from an enemy, and that's where you get most of your money is by selling dropped items. And I don't know, like I, I feel like you know I'm I'm according to this fact that I'm going by, I'm halfway through this game and I have very limited spells at my disposal. When in a normal progression RPG, when you level up, you learn new stuff. Yep. I. What does leveling do in this game? Because my my maximum hit points don't go up whenever I level up. As far as I can tell.
1: Yeah, I assumed they did, but I haven't actually looked at it. I haven't
0: actually watched my stats go up after a level up. I mean i'm'm I'm, surely to God they are otherwise what the what's the point of leveling up but it feels like you get more of a substantial bonus to to your stats whenever you do license board stuff yep you hit those nodes that give you more maximum hit points or more uh, damage per attack or better m- magic potency stuff like that
1: yeah that almost that feels like you're leveling
0: The issue there is, is that it, you're starting to get to a point where there's, these nodes are costing like 70, 80, 100 LP and you get one LP per kill. (laughs) See prior comment to must grind more apparently. That's, that's all there is to it. You just have to grind and grind and grind. Um, and I don't have a problem with that, but when, when I'm not using most of the mechanics at my disposal here,
1: so like I, techniques, I, I almost never. I don't even. I don't I even know have, if I've actually used a technique.
0: I have. I have freaking um, steel and first aid, which is useless. Yeah. So I just, you know, I'm just. I, I I've got multiple characters who have one technique, which is I never use, and no magic of any kind. Now, this could be how I'm outfitting my characters, but at the same time, I don't know. I just feel like I'm mainly just a melee. Like, I'm a bunch of warriors going around hitting stuff with a with a hammer or a, or a sword.
1: Yeah, see, I, I wonder if that's okay now because we're still early-ish in the game.
0: You say but early-ish, but according to this, we're freaking almost halfway through the game.
1: Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense to me. I I, I see a disconnect, but- exactly as you're saying, between how far I feel like I've come in the game and how far this fact says we are in the game. Like you said, there's a lot of spells. My mages can't do much. I even a a while ago mentioned that you need to outfit your party with potions and phoenix downs and all these other things, all these other items, because I don't feel like magic is at a point. Even now, I'm, I'm 21 hours in, and I don't feel like... I can rely on magic at all I yeah. can yeah I, I cure myself all the time I use I use one or two magic spells every single time I fight an, an enemy or multiple times but I don't know that I've ever even used an elemental attack because even if I had them I normally wouldn't switch to the character to use it I would want to set up a gambit for it but as you said you you, you still need to unlock gambit spots unlock gambit targeting characteristics, and then the ability to use the spell. So there's so many things that you need to have in place before you can have the magic system working correctly. It's exactly. not just leveling or even buying the spells. It's all these other things as well, because the spells without the gambits to use the spells are almost useless, because I'm not going to switch characters seven times during a fight. Yeah. So, man. But know. on the other hand, if it, it, it's hard for me to judge... Can you? Is it a good thing or a bad thing if you get through this game and don't necessarily need all that? But then you're free to explore all of these other systems mid game, end of game, post game.
0: I think that's why they made it to where any class is viable. If you wanted to have all freaking knights just hitting stuff with swords, you totally could.
1: You know. Yeah, I I think you'd have a tough time if you wanted all black and red mages though.
0: It may be true, I don't know. That's yeah. I'd like to see somebody play through this entire game with just black mages. That would be crazy. Um. So yeah, uh, we beat the boss there, and we make it to the uh, the tomb. When we enter the tomb, we are now in a, I would say, a slight puzzle dungeon. Uh, there's a bunch of like warp points that take us back to a, a hub and allow us to basically quick travel to different places.
1: Yeah, I'd say emphasis on the slight, because it's still pretty linear.
0: Yeah, it's, it's rather linear. It's just make it through this one area, touch something, and then go back and do it again on the opposite side. But it takes a little while to get there. Uh, yep. So the first obstacle we run into is... Um as we 're going down this corridor, the wall behind us comes to life, and it is another uh final fantasy staple the demon wall yep uh there 's a demon wall coming at us uh slowly or not slowly, actually kind of quickly, and Vaughn has the whole voice line of all right, we can either run or fight, we need to make up our mind right now. <laughs> To which I said, okay, I'm running.
1: Yep. If you give me the option, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah. So I ran away from this demon wall and opened a door that was in front in front of us. And uh, we immediately run into another demon wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which they don't give you the option to run away from.
0: No. This one you have to defeat. This is our first boss fight in this area. So um, there's a trick to it. Uh, there are, it's all the way down this long hallway and it's slowly coming toward us. So we have to either run to it and defeat it by fighting it. And there are, um, these, uh, torches on each side of the hallway. And if you touch them, they do one of two things. They either stop the demon wall in its tracks for probably, I don't know, 10 seconds so it stops advancing or it speeds it up. Uh, I could never tell which one speeds it up and which one doesn't. So I said, I'm just going to run down there and wail on it until it dies. Uh, I yeah,
1: died. I, I died once at this wall.
0: I died once at this wall too and did you get the cutscene where it, you
1: know, squashes, it, it squashes
0: you. you and then you have to start over? Yep. Yeah, I got that one time and then the second time I just, I went out there and just unloaded on guys. If he killed somebody, I switch out party members and say, okay, kill it.
1: I had a tough time because of all the status effects on this.
0: Yeah, there was a ton of status effects and every once in a while I had to like pause the game and say, okay, everybody use eye drops. And then, you know, then I switch out to Pinello and say, so like, Pinello, heal everybody, you know, and, and did it that way. Um, but, uh, one thing I did find out is that when you defeat a boss in this game, it gives you no experience points for it. It does, however, give you more than just one LP. So you do get more license points.
1: Does everybody get that LP? Yes. Or do you have to be alive at the end? Uh, as
0: far it's as, quite- as far as I know, LP is given to every character,
1: no matter what. Oh, good. Cause I finished a few fights with characters down that I was trying to raise in time, but like somebody would get in the last blow before, uh, before the raise spell went off. So
0: that, that's a question I can't answer. If they're dead currently in the party, if they get LP, I don't know about that. I know that if, say, Bosh is not used during a fight and you get an LP, he still gets
1: an LP. The same amount? The same amount. Oh, nice. Yeah, because there's a few. I mean, I've, they could be petrified. They could be KO'd. They could be. I had one character in a section, I think a little bit past this, where my character was X-zoned. Yeah, X-zoned. Like, I didn't even know the what that What does was. that mean? Yeah, I had no and idea. How do means... I get them out of the X-zone? Yeah, which means they just died. I, uh, yeah. The yeah, demon
0: Wall did that to me. Yeah. X-zoned a character. I don't know what that means. Another status effect. There's a lot of status effects I've never seen in this, uh, in a Final Fantasy game in this game. Like, oiled. Okay, yeah. Characters being oiled and it means that they take more damage to fire attacks.
1: Makes sense, I guess. Yeah. And you
0: need a handkerchief to get it off. Yeah, you have to have a handkerchief to get it off. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So we beat the demon wall and this allows us to explore this large area. And as I said before, you've run into a hub area that has teleport poles that will allow you to go back to the beginning. Um, So we basically have to go down some stairs and touch something at the very end of of a long, winding hallway. And it lowers down a platform. You have to do it on the opposite side, and it lowers down the platform even more, and you can go past it. Um... Now, this right here took me a little while. I mean, this is probably about an hour and a half of tra- you know traversing this area.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, overall, it was a pretty long dungeon, I think.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty long dungeon, and I would say it's a dungeon where I didn't mind going back to the beginning of it and healing and then going back through it again.
1: Yeah, which is interesting to me. Even though this is an underground dungeon like the first couple where I didn't have that – Bored, like I just want to get out of here feeling while playing through it. And I actually, to be honest, haven't since that point. It was just the first couple of dungeons. I don't know what it was. Maybe I just didn't have enough options to the battle. Like I didn't have enough spells or actions that I could take that I was just bored with the repetitiveness. But basically after the first 10 hours or so, I – I haven't had any real problem with the dungeons as far as getting bored with them.
0: I, I, I don't think I have either. Um, the but those mines, first ones I actively yeah.
1: disliked. The
0: mines I couldn't stand. I didn't like going through the mines. I didn't like going through that part where you had to stop the electric, the guys from sapping the electricity. Yep, that, and I
1: didn't like the sewers.
0: That lasted way too long. Yep. I was like, really? We're still going down this subway tunnel? It just kept going and going. Um I like dungeons where it's like, okay, you know what you have to do. You have to lower this platform. Well, if you hit this item, it lowers the platform some. Okay, well, let's go find another one of those. Yeah, And so I was like, okay, it gives me a goal to work at instead of just get through this area.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, you need those little mini goals to keep going.
0: Yeah. So
1: um,
0: we make it to the end of this, and we run into the guardian of this area, uh, which is a fire creature of some sort. It looks like a fire frog. (laughs)
1: Um it it starts with a B. Belias. Belias. They call him Belias the Gigas.
0: Belias the Gigas. It's like um the villain from Earthbound. (laughs) Gigas. Yeah. Um This guy Gave me a little bit of trouble. Okay, I'll take that back. This guy didn't give me any trouble until he used his blow up ability (laughs) (laughs) which then knocked out two of my party members and I said, Oh good. So I had to switch out party members, but then after I was I was yeah, I was wrecking this dude after that.
1: Yeah, I didn't have any problem with this guy nowhere near as much as I had with the wall.
0: Yeah, no, the wall gave me more trouble than this guy did. Yeah. So this is our first Esper. We beat this guy, and we now have the ability to summon him in
1: battle. Which is stressful, because only one character can summon him.
0: That's correct. So when you assign this summon to somebody, they're the only person that can do it forever.
1: That, that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of commitment.
0: Did you give feel it like to anybody? Yes. Who did you uh, give it to? Bosch. I gave it to Bosch as well.
1: <laughs> because he seems like he'll be purely offensive and Bosch was purely offensive.
0: Well, I went uh, – so I looked at a fact for this because when it popped up saying, hey, when you give this to somebody, you can't take it back. I'm like, OK, so let me look at a fact and say, who's the best for this character? Um, and it said uh, – the fact that I was going by says, we highly suggest you give this to your foe breaker. I said, well, that oh, just happens okay. to be Bosch. So I gave it to Bosch, and then it popped up saying, oh, congratulations, you can now choose a second class for each character. And I was like, oh, man, you're giving me way too many options right now for for stuff. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I didn't have enough LP to give anybody a secondary class except for one person. So... I gave a secondary class to Ash. Ash is now a black mage slash monk. Mm. And the reasoning why, and I actually sat down and looked at this, like I looked at the license boards, the monk has crazy potentials for high hit points. If I, can yep. ha- if I can have a black mage that has a lot of hit points, I don't have a glass cannon anymore. I have a cannon.
1: So I'm going with that. I yeah, have- I, I did spend some time looking at this, looking at how you should pair characters, looking at why you would pair characters together. It all kind of makes sense. You want to complement the weaknesses. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I did a lot of this. I Everybody is some form of ranged and powerful or magical and high hit points or a melee damage dealer and a mage if I want a more purely offensive character. So what have you got? What's your combinations? Oh, shit.
0: I find this fun more fun than... than- some other parts of this game. Just talking yeah. about just talking about your classes and stuff.
1: Yeah, I wish I had it in front of me. Um, I I know I have a mage monk combo. Okay, like a black mage or red mage. I want to say it's Penelo is my red mage. I think it's a red mage and monk. Okay. I think both my black Mage? No. Definitely my white mage, so Ash, I, I made a knight as her second class to be uh, you know, like a holy white knight. Um I think I made Balthir a monk because he's very slender and weak and also a time mage and it seemed like a monk and a time mage. Would go well together uh, Both because of the hit points Because he's kind of my Jack of all trades character Okay And he's a guy I always want with me Because he's the one that I've got My auto steel set up on
0: Yeah Mine too
1: So You know That's why he's actually more he, He started off One of my weakest characters But since I Turned on auto steel Just because he's been with me All the time He's leapfrogged a lot of characters To be like my Second or third strongest Now why is that Because he's leveled up well, yeah, I guess highest level, not necessarily strongest.
0: Okay, but I mean, well, I mean, obviously, leveling up means something, then, right? I mean,
1: yeah. Well, but it also means since he's been in all those fights, um, I don't know. I've been paying attention to him more, so I've I've upgraded his weapons recently. I was going to say he has more LP, but that may not be the case. They may all get the LP. Um, yeah, my foe foe breaker. I think I've got. Fran who has the spears, the poles?
0: The poles or the spears? Mm, spears, I think. Okay, so she's a Ulan.
1: That doesn't sound right, but Are you like I... loading up the game? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's downstairs. Oh, okay. Well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm trying to think I've got I've got Vaughn, I think he's a
0: You said he was a bushy.
1: Yeah, I think his bu- bushy was my was the, his second ability. Because oh, he was did. a knight. I thought he was a bushy originally, but he was a knight originally and okay. I okay. gave him Bushy as the secondary. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I gave to Bosch. He was a foebreaker. He might have been the shikari. That's the katana one, right? Uh,
0: the 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 shiki. That's the dagger guy.
1: I gave him the one the, the class that uses katanas. Uh, that's the bushi. Oh, maybe I have two bushies.
0: So I'm I'm actually going to give everybody a secondary class that I don't have.
1: So you're intentionally going to try and get every class covered. That's correct. Okay, I I I think I didn't necessarily try to do that, but I think I have almost every class. There might be, I know there was one that I doubled up on. I think I doubled up on knights. I may have even tripled up on knights just because I wanted a sturdier companion class, right? Uh, But I don't know which one I didn't pick up. Hmm. It might have been Ulan, now that I think about it. I think I gave. I think I made Fran Black Mage as her second class.
0: Okay. So I haven't. I don't have enough LP for all that stuff yet, but. Um, have you used any of the Quickenings yet?
1: Yes, but I did not find them to be very useful.
0: So I have not used them yet. I have not summoned a. a I haven't summoned. And I haven't used any of my limit breaker quickening things yet. And I, I don't know why I'm saving them.
1: I feel like there must be something you need to do mid-limit break to power it up.
0: Apparently there's buttons you have to hit. I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I've done it a couple of times, and it's done roughly the same amount of damage as a one normal strike. I'm like, well, it's just not worth the... 35 seconds i had to watch that
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay well i don't know i'm sure there's a trick to it maybe one of our maybe one of our emails gets into it hopefully they do i haven't looked at any of them but um so yeah let's just continue on because we're almost to where i stopped uh we make it to the inter sanctum i guess you'd say where we find the treasure that treasure being uh the dawn shard that's why we're here. The Dawn Shard, uh, when we first see it, Ash, I don't know if anybody else sees this. I think Ash is the only person seeing it. But she sees her husband. Her deceased husband.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of comments later on that make it look like Vaughn may have seen him. Okay. But it's kind of confusing the way he words his comment.
0: Hmm. So, um... Uh, and I found it funny which we'll get to in a little bit uh, Vossler as she's walking up to the Dawn Shard Vossler says we need to leave and I was like that's weird that's what we came for so she takes it and um, it glows so I guess it shows that she is of royal blood and now that we have it we can now leave we leave exit the a tomb, and all of a sudden the Imperial show up. And for the third time in this game, <laughs> we are captured again. Oh my god. I, I couldn't help but shake my head at this. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? We get yeah. captured for a third freaking time? By the same people? And so I was like, alright, fine. So we get captured. Geese is there. He doesn't have his helmet on, so you get to see him. He, he looks so stupid. He's got this weird, like, hairdo. Yeah. And, um, he's like, well, thank you for, for getting the Dawn
1: Shard to me. Yeah, but I think Vossler is the one who says, oh, we have the Dawn Shard.
0: Yes, he does. So we get our big betrayal. Vossler. He's like, uh, he's been working with Geese the entire time.
1: Yeah. He's like triple crossing. I, yeah,
0: I don't know. It's weird. So,
1: but with a good heart, but he's still a bad guy, I guess.
0: He's like, give this over to them. Cause if you don't, we're going to start a needless war. That's going to destroy Damascus. is what he says. And they're like, why are you doing this? We're trying to save Damascus. He's like, so am I.
1: He says, I'm a son of Dalmasca.
0: Yeah. And he's like, you, just, you don't get it. If we if we continue on this way, we're just going to have a big war. And there's going to be so many people that get killed. Let's stop the wars. They've won. Just give it to them. And we're like, we get it. You want to protect Damascus, but this is not the way to do it, man. Yep. And so um, he takes it. And he's like, okay, so we're going to give this to, and he, we've, he's mentioned Sid multiple times. And so if Doctor pe- Sid, Dr. yeah, Doctor Sid, so everybody knows that every Final Fantasy game has had Sid in it, and he always plays a different character in each one. That one time he joins your party in Final Fantasy VII. So um, Sid, uh, he says he's going to take this Dawn Shard to Sid uh, to see um, what he can possibly do with it. What kind of power does it hold? Uh, But before that, he wants to make sure that it's at least genuine. So he decides to tell his engineers to put it in the engine for the Shiva?
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure if I have this right, but I think the Shiva runs on Jet Magicite. Okay. And the fact that this is like a stronger version of it kind of overloads the ship.
0: Yeah. So as we're being escorted away again, um, Fran starts going nuts. So Fran, uh, her being the rabbit people, they have a strong bond with the mist. The mist is basically, I guess concentrated magical energy. Yep. And
1: it's what makes the Nethisite different from the Magisite, I guess. Yeah.
0: So uh, it's a byproduct of the Magisite, right? Hmm. Or whichever one's purest. Nephesite. Nethisite is the purest?
1: I, yeah, I don't know if it's purer or if it's just Magisite that also has mist in it. Okay.
0: Well, they have a connection to the mist. And she can tell when there's a disturbance in the mist. Once again, Star Wars, the mist is the force. Hmm. Um so anyway, uh yeah, continuing on, she notice she starts feeling it. She's like the mist is is getting really heavy here. Uh something's going on. And it's because during this time. Geese has ordered his engineers to put it inside the engines of the, um, of the, the, I guess, airship Shiva. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, uh, it starts going haywire overloading, going nuts. Uh, at this point, so does Fran. Fran goes crazy and starts murdering fools.
1: Yep. It's just the mist is burning. The mist is kind of goes crazy.
0: She goes crazy. And so she defeats a bunch of the guys holding us captive. And as we're getting ready to uh, escape, Vossler stops us. It's like, I can't let you leave.
1: In the name of Delmasca.
0: Yeah. So we have a boss fight with Vossler.
1: Um, didn't find
0: him that difficult.
1: I had a little trouble with him. I died once here. Really? Uh, I thought he was a piece of cake. you know. Took out his three guards. I'm wailing on him with three different characters. No problem. Until he goes into his enrage mode. (laughs) And started wiping me out. So I had to use an item. There's an item you can use that neutralizes the beneficial buff on an enemy. mm -hmm. So I just used that on him. So he didn't enrage and then the second time was easy.
0: So he enraged probably the last... Five seconds of the fight, for me, he enraged. I
1: don't even. Think uh, he, I don't even think he got a hit in before I killed him. So I was just like, "Well, that was easy." Yeah, he enraged for me, and then took out all my whole team. And then mm. I swapped characters out, and he would slice and dice my weaker characters. and like three hits, they'd be dead. Ooh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, that was kind of rough. Well, I defeated him. Um, we both defeated him. Uh and uh he's laying there I guess dying. And But we uh, easily
1: could have saved him.
0: We could have, yes. But Bosch is Bosch is kinda of standing back watching and he's he's standing there over him. And uh everybody's like, Okay, we need to go and then Bosch is still standing there. And he's like, I'll save Damascus. And then he falls over, I guess dead. So we, we run off. Man, this is a real quick cutscene, too. So this place is going to explode, and then uh, everybody's running, and all of a sudden we're in a ship flying off. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, why didn't they show any of that?
1: Yeah, we missed a step here.
0: Yeah. And uh, we get a really cool cutscene where the ship, the, the, the airship Shiva, implodes in and of itself and mm-hmm. then explodes and it wipes out the entire fleet and blows up every ship there except for the one we're escaping on funny how that works yeah and uh, as we're fleeing the scene they turn and look and see there's this floating orb in the sky and they're like that's gotta be the dawn shard and so we, we circle back around and pick it up <laughs> And uh, then we go return back to Rabinaster. Um This is when uh, we get the cutscene of um, the, the narrator uh, from like much like at the beginning of the game um, is talking about basically the events that happened in the next couple of days. So the fleet, the seventh fleet, I think is what it is. The seventh fleet was destroyed completely. Uh, with Vossler dead as well as Judge Geese. And um, it was a serious blow to the uh, Arcadian uh, kingdom, but they are still a powerhouse. Uh, and we get a cutscene of the, the king of Arcadia having a discussion with the, the, uh, the senate that he uh, has helped rule. And uh, they're discussing basically, you know, the events that happened, and what their next move will be, possibly. And uh, the Senate seems to believe that uh, Vane is not the good selection for the heir to the throne. They're saying that he is—he's lost his way. He doesn't know what he's doing, and they think that the the younger brother. Would be the better pick. Mm-hmm. Possibly because he's a little bit more influential. Or able to be influenced, I should say.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: cut to a few days later. We run into Rabbi Naster. Everybody's kind of hiding out uh, the uh, Princess Ash. Or I guess Queen Ash at this point. She hasn't been crown queen, but Ash is still kind of laying low. Doesn't want to announce that she's around, alive, kicking. And they're coming up with a game plan. Uh, the first thing they say is, well, uh, the first big siege on Dalmaska, uh, the one where the king is killed, they were probably fighting over the Midnight Shard.
1: Yep, there's three main artifacts: uh-huh. Dawn Shard, Dusk Shard, and Midnight Shard. Yeah, and
0: uh, Bosch says that he's pretty much for certain that the Midnight Shard was taken during that first siege.
1: Yep, and there was an explosion similar to the, the one, one on saw. the sh- on the Shiva. Shiva.
0: Yeah, which means that knowing them, they've already got their hands on the Dusk Shard too. With power like that, they could very well take over the entire world. So, it has come to Ash's mind that we can't allow that to happen. So, we're going to have to figure out a way to use this Dusk Shard, or not Dusk Shard, Dawn Shard that we have to help us get back the other two shards from the Arcadian Kingdom. To which Fran says, well, my people, uh, have a strong connection to the mist and to the shards. Why don't we go ask them? So we plot a course for, I guess, her homeland and, uh, prepare to go that way.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think we quite get to her people yet. It's the, the Gareth that we're looking for.
0: Oh, isn't that her people?
1: No, her people are the Viela. Okay. Excuse me. I thought it was so her people. So this is uh, yeah, it's not it's not her people, but it's the same idea. She knows that th- this this race called the Gareth might know how to harness the power of the Dawnshard since it's empty. Now after it's blown up, after it's blown up.
0: So, yeah. Everybody's getting ready to go. And then you get
1: that, that scene again.
0: Yeah, you get that scene of of uh, Balthier saying, I don't want to do any of this. He's like, well, we need your help. Well, what do you got? And she's like, I don't have anything. He's like, how about that wedding ring you got? <laughs> she's like, can you take anything else? He's like, nope. So she pays him in her wedding band, I guess. Yep. And um he's like, okay, I'll hang on to this. I'll give it back if I find something more valuable.
1: Because he gets kind of a dirty look, right? Like, why? Somebody gives him a dirty look, I think. It basically says, you know, why would you take that from her? It means means a lot to her.
0: Yeah, Vaughn looks at him funny. Yeah. So, um, we've got the thieves on board. We've got the sky pirates on board. Everybody else is already on board.
1: So, and Vaughn clearly comes out and says, you know, the, something to the effect of, what, what is he looking for? Why is he even going? And he doesn't seem to know. Yeah.
0: He's just hes just along for the ride. And that is where I left off. That's where
1: I love I love I Balthier's line here. He's like, well, a man can't live on resolve alone, princess. I <laughs> uh, need some cash. Yeah. I do love the writing in this game. I, I actually, it's so like over the top when it's good that I just wish there was more of it. Yeah. I wish I spent less of a percentage of my time in dungeons and more just listening to these characters talk to each other. Balthier
0: basically reminds me of Alistar from Dragon Age. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a smartass, kind of smarmy. Um, at the same time, he's got a good heart. He's the he's the pirate with the heart of gold. So I really like his character. I really like Bosch's character.
1: Yeah, I think Bosch is my favorite, but I do really like Balthier also. Yeah, Bosch.
0: For all intents and
1: purposes, Bosch should have been the main character of this game. I actually read earlier in the week that he was originally the main character of the game, mm-hmm. but that they said it would be too much like Vagrant Story. Oh. If he was, and so they wanted somebody you know less of a badass. I got gotcha. you. Okay. so they, they created Vaughn and Penelope later in development probably just perusing the Wikipedia page but i thought I thought that was interesting to specifically choose not to have your most interesting character right or characters, characters as the main character. yeah
0: like everybody's the main character in this game pretty much
1: yep it actually reminded me of. A little bit like – it's kind of a random tangent, but one of my favorite Stephen King books recently – I don't know if I've told you about this one. It's called Revival.
0: Mm -hmm, Okay. Yeah, I think you've told me about this maybe. Uh, Continue.
1: I just thought it was super cool because in Revival, you see the story unfolds through almost a nobody's perspective and all of the really cool things happen – off screen so almost all of the cool things happen in between the the times when you interact with this character so it's like all the most interesting characters are not the main character okay and that that's a little bit like what i feel like here you're not i mean i guess in some ways it's similar like all of the whatever has made Bosch interesting and whatever has made Baltier interesting is not really the stuff that happens during this story they're right. already kind of interesting, cool characters, and all you get at the most are snippets of what makes them interesting. Right. But yeah, but but you but you kind of see that through Vaughn's perspective as a, as a fresh set of eyes, and you don't get to see all of the more interesting characters. But just kind of knowing that they're there enriches the story. Right. So I I don't know. I really liked it in Revival, and I guess I'm a bit noncommittal here. I like those characters i don't know if i have a feeling about the fact that they're not the main character okay I, right like i don't know do i do i think it's a negative that Vaughn is the main character i don't know i mean story wouldn't be that much different if he wasn't in it i guess but but that being said you still get to experience all the other interesting characters so i i don't know that it detracts at all from the story Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, let's go to our emails. We've got one, two, three, four emails this week. The first one comes in from Bronson. It says, uh, after listening to the last episode, I had to weigh in on grinding, seeing as how the Phoenix Down podcast has had a direct effect on my relationship with grinding and JRPGs. Throughout my gaming career, I've notoriously been an overgrinder or power, level, power leveler, as some might call it, uh, to the point that my friends would trash me because of the absurdity of my grinding at times. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was never a big deal to me. Just uh, turn on some music. Uh, uh, let's see here. I lost my place. Turn on some music or a podcast nowadays and blow through several hours of multiple play sessions to beef up my characters. For example, in Kingdom Hearts 1, I left Destiny Island, the opening area of the game, at level 20. I know that sounds like bullshit, but unfortunately it's true. <laughs> I found that when the Heartless invade, you can kill as many as you want and rack up easy XP, so I proceeded to do so for about seven hours. I remember I had the official strategy guide at the time and very early in the game when you fought Sephiroth, the guide states that he couldn't be beaten. It was a fight that you were supposed to lose. Well, I tore him a new one. <laughs> wow. But overall, I'd way over grind in every JRPG and I thought I'd often max out every character's level. Midway wow. through a game. Don't get me wrong, it's awesome in some ways. It's satisfying when the game builds up a boss as the ultimate world beater with uh, long cutscenes and sinister dialogue only for me to smoke them after one or two turns. Also, if you play JRPG solely for the story, which I mostly had, then it's a nice to be able to obliterate every single enemy just by mashing the X button in order to get to the next story beat. All of your grinding is finished, as you're basically invested time early in the game to be able to soar through later parts of the game. However, your podcast has allowed me to see the folly of my ways. Okay. (laughs) I've listened to every JRPG episode you guys have done, and one thing that struck me is how there would be a certain battles from time to time that would just kick your asses, no offense. Well, Trust me, I I get plenty of them.
1: It's been kicked many times.
0: (laughs) Maybe Drew would have had an issue... Uh, with one particular battle and Matt Wooden or vice versa, uh, but there always were some fights at some points in those games that you guys would get stuck on until you finally, with the help of some grinding and strategies uh you'd win as odds as as odd as it sounds uh, i like I long for that I long to get my ass kicked in a battle over and over again until I figure out the mechanics or maybe do some grinding, upgrade gear, explore various skills. Buffs and debuffs, and perhaps with the grace of uh, R Jesus, pull out a victory. I imagine the satisfaction from winning these battles is tremendous. Uh, battles in JRPGs have become boring to me because of my own doing. In fact, the last time I remember struggling in a fight in a JRPG I was playing Super Mario RPG at the age of nine, shortly after the game released. It's gotten to the point where I don't even know what most of the skills do in a game because I'm so overpowered, I just steamroll everything with regular attacks. Uh, there's this idea regarding Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I find relevant. I don't practice Jiu-Jitsu, but I'm reasonably familiar with it, though through being a fan of MMA. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you don't know, is a grappling martial art that usually takes that that usually takes place on the ground and involves chokes and submissions. But the idea is this. Big, powerful jiu-jitsu practitioners often lack refined skills, as they had no reason to hone them. Because they are so strong, they can often get by with only brute force. However, if you want to witness true skill, look no further than the smaller, physically weaker jujitsu practitioners due to their lack of pure strength they've developed a profound understanding of the underlying mechanics and techniques which ultimately show allows them to be superior fighters so basically i've been the big skillless brute uh getting by with just mashing x while you guys have developed actual skill and an understanding of the game's mechanics out of necessity ultimately your podcast has helped me rehabilitate this one chronic grinder uh <laughs> This once chronic grinder, excuse me. The next time I play a JRPG, I'll allow myself to get crushed here and there so I can actually feel the progress progress of leveling up, upgrading gear, and learning the ins and outs of the mechanics, and experience the highs of eventually winning a hard-fought bat fought battle. Maybe then I'll start to enjoy JRPGs once again. Peace out. That is a very good point, and I actually like the way he thinks about that, because... Yep. A perfect example with a JRPG that we just played recently was Radiant Historia. Radiant Historia was not about level grinding to be overpowered. The fun in that game was coming up with the combos, coming up with the skills and the, and the different weaknesses and how to push and pull enemies towards you uh, to hit as many enemies as possible. So that was partially the fun of the combat in that game.
1: Yeah, so if you could just direct hit everybody and kill them, you would not have experienced that.
0: Yeah, and that was some of the coolest parts of Radiant Historia was chaining those combos together so that way you can maximize all your hits and all the strategies of like delaying turns and stuff. Like, you know, if I was just brute force on my way through it, that would have been a boring game. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good point is like you're supposed to enjoy those games because of the mechanics. I mean, these guys, I mean, freaking Square Enix put in these crazy mechanics for a reason. They wanted you to have fun with them, you know, like coming up with different gambits and stuff like that and figuring out, you know, when my health is this low, do this. Or, you know, when the enemy is, you know, using a buff, try to debuff him and stuff like that. It's, it, that's part of the fun, at least for me. I mean, I guess yeah. certain people love just being powerful and just overrunning guys.
1: Yep. In this game, especially Final Fantasy XII, I think, you know, as we mentioned last episode, it, it, for me especially, that's where I'm finding my most fun, is setting up these gambits. And we, I had done it a little bit in the last episode, certainly now having played a bunch more. I've got... So where we were in the last episode, all I really had set up gambit-wise was heals, mostly just heals. Each of my characters that could heal... Which I've got three or four, you know, that was what they set up, they were set up to do, and I just kind of rotated them. And I do like that I'm, they're starting to specialize. I'm opening more gambit slots. I've got more gambits I can assign. And I'm starting to be able to add in some offensive magic, some defensive magic. I've got, um, my two strongest mages, my white mage and my red mage. They can auto-heal, not auto-heal themselves, but fill up their MP, take an ether when they hit, I don't know, like 30% MP. So each one of them is growing into like a self-sufficient engine to fit into the way I've uh, constructed this team. And and to me, that's still my favorite part of this game as where I am now. And... Yeah, I, you, you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't need to get that. I guess you could still do it if you were way over leveled, but you wouldn't need to. Yeah. And then I, I guess my other comment on that email is it, it really comes to a point for me with how difficult the game is, right? Like if it's super hard and you just have to grind, then you don't really have the choice. Um, if it tends to be an easy game and you don't need to, Hopefully that's not meant to be part of the game, right like you can structure a game that requires grinding or not sort of um, but but like he said, I, I think having or what the way I interpreted what he said is similar to the way I feel, which is that when I can choose to grind, and I've said this before when I can choose to grind, I like grinding, but I don't like being forced to grind or. Not really having the ability to grind. So one of the things that I was hoping we'd get to is sort of what, what do, what, when does grinding work for you, and when does it not work? I mean, Uh,
0: you just hit the nail on the head for me. Yeah. The, The minute I'm forced to grind because I can't make it through a part
1: is the minute I don't like that. Yep. Or, or if it doesn't feel like you're getting much out of the grinding, and it's just taking too long, and the, it's just not enough progress coming from it, I think that can certainly be frustrating. Yeah
0: like with Final Fantasy 12 it it that fast forward button is a godsend because grinding is now a 30 minute ordeal when it would normally be an hour yep and so i i don't mind it i don't mind like like right now whenever we're we're going to be traveling through the gaza plains during the rain i don't know what that means but apparently we're going to be doing it um <laughs> i'm probably going to run around that area probably about 3 or 4 times just to get some levels yep so, and get that LP, which is more important. Yeah. And
1: um, the other thing for me is, is how it's, again, going back to difficulty, the perfect level of difficulty, so if I would say I'm perfectly leveled, is when I do die at all of the big bosses. I expect to die, and I want to die at all of them, but not more than, say, three times, three or four times. Yeah. Like, to me, the the it, when I say a game has the perfect difficulty, it means every new boss I die at once or twice, and then... Yeah. Switched out some armor, or figured out a trick, or, or, you know, maybe grinded a little bit, and then I'm able to beat them. Like if I can't make progress, obviously, that's the kind of situation where I stop playing a game permanently.
0: Yeah, that's the that's that sense of progression that people really want. And you know, um, if you want to if you want to go that far, I mean, Dark Souls is a perfect example of that, where yep. you will beat your head against the wall trying to beat a boss. And when you get defeated by that boss, it is heartbreaking because now you have to go all the way back to it. But when you beat that boss for the first time, it is so rewarding to feel. You're like, yes, I've accomplished something. I've done that much more damage. I learned the tales of the boss. I know what they're going to do when they raise their arm or something like that. And so it's that you get the the sense of progression with like a Dark Souls kind of game isn't... In game, it's actually out of the game, where you you've learned, you've adapted to this boss fight as a player, and it's very rewarding to see your skills go up—not just your character skills, but see your yep. skills go up—and it's and so it, rewarding. in
1: any game with bosses, that that's what I look for. Yeah, is I need to change my strategy. That boss, the game, the I didn't lose because the game's broken. I lost because I didn't figure it out or have the right piece of gear. So I, I've had a couple times in this game already where I've walked into a dungeon and been like, oh, crap, I'm getting poisoned. Do I have any – do I have enough poison – like, antidotes for the poison? Or do I have any equipment that gives me a resistance to poison? If not, maybe I'll take a trek back to town and see if I can find the right piece of equipment that will help me out in this dungeon. Exactly. And so that that I do generally like in a game um, because – If you're over leveled, or if the game's just generally easy, and you you beat every boss on the first try, you don't get that sense of progression. So I don't want to be stuck on a boss, but I also don't want to steamroll a boss. For me, that dying once or twice to every boss is the perfect level of difficulty.
0: Yeah. So our next email comes in from Jamie. Says "Uh, I'm pretty far ahead, so I'm going to continue doing some hunts, or at least I have started to. But all I have left are level three and up, and those are super hard. I kind of wish there was more side questing I could do in this game because I find that in order to level up, I'm just wandering around fighting whatever I can. I've never really had a thing against grinding, but when I haven't played a lot of games where I had to, uh, I've always found that if I wasn't high enough level, I could go on a side quest or a different part of the storyline and level up more naturally instead of looking for someone to pick a fight with. The one thing I will say, though, is that without uh, going into... A battle screen, and without the victory music, fighting a lot of enemies is pretty quick business yep. a lot of, a lot of enemies is um excuse me uh having to fight this much in a typical final fantasy might be far more painful right now. My characters are all in the twenty to four to twenty eight range, but the level three hunts are usually around level thirty two monsters. I could get them nearly down, but once the hit points once they are hit point critical, I'm assuming their attack and defense go way up. Uh, then my character drop, characters drop like flies. Speaking of levels, I don't really understand levels in this game. Oh man, (laughs) man, how topical. Yeah. Until you guys mentioned leveling up your characters, I hadn't really paid attention to it. What does it really do? I mean, even characters who aren't in the party gain LP. Uh, filling out the license board gives HP and MP bumps and increased to physical or magical attack. So if you essentially level your characters using LP, What does the actual level do? I haven't noticed that my characters gain any hit points or increased attack or anything with successive levels. I'm going to have to do some research on that, because I really want to know now. Yeah. Uh, She says, I know I'm now about halfway through this game, and overall I think the progression of the abilities is a little slow. I only have one summon, which might be my fault. My playthrough is very much by the seat of my pants. I haven't really been making sure I go to every map in each area, so I might have missed some espers. Right now, I only have uh, Belias, uh, Yep. Um, which you don't have yet. You'll have very soon, which if you don't have yet, you'll have very soon. Right, well, we all got it. Uh, pay attention to who you assign them to, though, because I believe only one person can summon that esper once you set it to the license board. This is very true. Uh, I'm starting to get into Quickenings and Mist Chains now. They are basically limit breaks, although I'm not sure they charge in the same way. These seem to just be time-based. Anyways, you'll unlock up to three bars, I think, uh, for each character to use different Quickenings, which are then unlocked in, you guessed it, the License Board. Uh, The cool thing about them is how you can create an almost limitless chain of attacks. Basically, if any of your character's bars are full although I think it's best if they have all full bars, uh, you can start a quickening, and a timer will count down. Then the other characters' quickenings will pop up, and you can select them to attack next, creating a chain of attacks. The cool part is that sometimes you can mischarge while chaining, and uh, that will refill the bars so you can just keep going. Then at the end, depending on how many chains you got, there will sometimes be a bonus attack called a concurrence Quickenings are pretty cool, and I wish I could have used them a bit earlier, at least the lower-level ones. Everything I just read in that paragraph is Greek to me. <laughs> I have no—I have not used the Quickening. I don't know what a mischarge is. I have no idea what any of this is. Does the game explain any of
1: this? Nope. I've used the Quickenings. Like I said, and I've done some of the chains, but that's it. Okay. I've, I've dabbled in it, but I, I haven't really dived into
0: it at all says here i guess what i'm saying is that i wish abilities were spread more evenly throughout this game i didn't use quickenings until i probably had two or three options uh it would have been nice to learn them over time it's the same with magic i'm only starting to unlock magics and getting enough mp to use them up till now i've been relying on physical attack which is probably why vaughn and uh, bosh get the most screen time in past Final Fantasy games, lower-level magics and summons popped up right away. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so through the game, you could naturally progress. This uh, seems too haphazard, and I think it just has to do with the orientation of the license board. Anyways, I'm not sure where you are story-wise, but I, we've certainly found our grand purpose now, which is good. I still like the mix of characters, and I'm more invested in the story. I found that I'm addicted to this game... I always want to turn it on, even if it's just to wander around and gain some LP for an hour or so. Playing this game has reminded me so much of uh, I really like single-player story-based games. I hope games like these don't fall to the wayside in the future. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Overwatch, and I intend to play Anthem and Fallout 76, but story-based games are my first love, and I can't live without them. Last thing, Matt, where was it that you got stuck in your first playthrough, and have you gotten past it yet?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's funny. Now now that I'm past where I was hour-wise, it's easy for me to reflect. I'm pretty sure where I finished my first playthrough at 18 hours into the game is where Drew got stuck as well, escaping the Leviathan.
0: Wow. So we have officially made it to new territory for you
1: yeah well past new territory and it didn't take me 18 hours to get there <laughs> yeah or even anywhere near that this time well that's... but but with no fact and no you know i was just kind of wandering around i like i said i hadn't ever really played a final fantasy when it was new so i just spent a lot of time hanging out in the desert fighting wolves and hyenas and shit yeah all right so so yeah i think i think to her point though the game definitely does seem slow to unlock these things well, yeah, that you you would have expected to have many many hours ago in this game. We
0: usually, you know, in other RPGs, when you level up, it says you learned how to use fire yep. or something like that. And in in this game, it's like you gain some LP, and then you go to the license board and you say, now you can use fire, but you can't use it yet. You have to go buy it first.
1: And, and in- that's if you've gotten the license board correctly unlocked to where you can even find fire.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, say you're not controlling that character, now you have to go unlock the gambit to use fire. Yep, there's a lot of barriers. Yeah, there's tons of barriers for any of this stuff. Like, techniques. Why do I even have techniques? Like, I shouldn't even unlock a technique. Because I'm not going to buy those things. Yeah. I mean, like so far in this game, and supposedly I'm halfway through it, I haven't found a reason to use techniques. I've been running up to guys and hitting them with a freaking sword until they died.
1: Yep. So regarding levels, it seems like all of the damage calculations for how much damage you do and your success rates on hits and all of that almost always scales with your level. Okay. So your, your, your magic power and your... Your damage that you do all has to do with your level, even if it doesn't directly translate to damage. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go.
0: Next email comes in from Dustin. Uh, It says, hey, guys, what's up? I got a lot to say, but let's start with my history of this game. I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy. I've been played. I played every single one of the mainline series and these their sequels to completion, and that includes wow. the MMO Eleven. And I'm up to date with fourteen. Uh, so naturally, I had twelve on my radar when it was announced, and when I saw the first trailer for it, I had major Star Wars vibes. I couldn't believe it <laughs> when you guys barely mentioned it in the first episode, and Chad had to lay it out on in the second episode. I thought it was obvious
1: yeah I, I always even from the first time I played it thought that it had a Star Wars vibe to it I just, but I, <laughs> I don't know
0: I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan I've seen the movies I haven't seen the newest one you know I, I don't know I'm just not the biggest Star Wars fan hmm. it says uh, anyways the Star Wars references didn't bug me this uh, this was a day one buy for me and I dove right in away uh, I dove right or, I dove in right away excuse me I can't read uh, I'm off, uh, I'm working off over a decade old memory. So some of it may be spotty, but I remember the mine with the mimic queen being tough for me. And that's when I started getting the hang of the gambit system. <clears throat> the, El- the elder dragon in the forest is another wall I hit when I learned to master the gambit system. I love the judges and the story with the different, with the different twists, uh, four times speed is a godsend for you guys. I remember running around a lot and grinding, but lucky, lucky for me, Final Fantasy III made its U.S. debut on the DS two weeks after Twelve released. So I had my gambit system set up so good that I would wander around aimlessly and auto battle while I played through Final Fantasy III on my DS. <laughs> so, so that that's made, some multitasking. There you go. So that made grinding and running around bearable. I also played Final Fantasy III on the DS. That was a fantastic version of that game. Uh let's see here. I'll let Chad explain the story since it's been a few years for me, but I don't remember being confused about Bosch having a twin, and I've been finding it hilarious listening to you guys trying to figure out the gambit system. Once you <laughs> get it, the game plays itself though. So Drew is right, this game takes place in the uh Ivalice Ivalis? Yep. Um same as Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story. It was being developed by uh Matsuno uh, but he had to bow out due to health concerns. Sakaguchi refused to play anything post, uh, Matsuno due to his disappointment of Matsuno's departure. Uh, the well, game, the game did not start out as a MMO and changed to a single player because this is the storytelling. On a side point, Final Fantasy, uh, crap, Final Fantasy XI and, uh, Final Fantasy XIV both have awesome stories. However, the original concept Masuno had was Bosch was the main character and Ash was the secondary main character. But according to the cells of previous games with older protagonists, the higher ups forced them to create the dullest, most uninspired characters in the franchise history in Vaughn and Pinello since youth cells. That, I can see that because yep. they did it with Nier. They had Nier uh replicant and near what was the other one? and the near that we got was the one that didn't sell well in Japan, which was the father trying to rescue the daughter, while the one that sold really well in Japan was the brother, the younger man, trying to rescue his sister. For some reason, like, I saw it in the Yakuza series, too, because I played, like, Yakuza 3, I think it was, like, 3 or 4, I can't remember, and uh, Kazuma... Kiryu is like 34 and there's guys walking up to him, calling him an old man. And (laughs) I'm like, what? Do you you guys really look at like a 30 something year old as an old man? What's wrong with you? (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, That's why every character is interesting except those two. I would love to see a remake of the original version of, of Matsuno, but that's an entirely new game altogether. One cool thing I remember about this game was the most powerful weapon, the Zodiac Spear, could be found early, but not, but by not opening certain chests and then going into a late game dungeon early and you get a low percent chance to find it in a certain chest. And the game would be a breeze after that. Also, I liked how they named all their big airships after traditional summons, also yeah. known as espers and I- icons, um, and based the summons off the demons and tactics such as Belas and Hashmal. Uh, that's all I have to say about 12 right now. I've played the sequel to this game. It's an RTS on the DS and it's pretty average. Mm. Uh, it would be fun to play some of the older games on the podcast. Five had a poor, very poor English translation and the best version is the GBA version, but a lot of people still think the fan translation ROM is the best. Four is another masterpiece and Drew almost had it right. Cecil is a Dark Knight and Kane is a Dragoon and they are part of the Red Wings and it's an awesome story. Six is by far the best game in the series, and when Drew said it was just okay, I almost wrecked my truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't like six. I, I I get it, you know the the villain wins, destroys the world. I just did not care for that game. I don't I don't know what it was. Uh, And when Drew said it was just okay, I almost ripped my truck. Seven is the most overrated game of the franchise, so skip it. Fifteen has a good story. Jamie it uh, just has a poor way of telling it. And most of the best parts are in DLC, such as Episode Ignis. Anyway, I got all that out of my chest. I can't wait to enjoy the rest of the series. And guys, if you have access to a comp, uh, and have no problems with ROMs. Seriously, do an English translation of Sweet Home for NES for Halloween this year. You won't regret it one bit, Dustin. P.S. Match should finish Dark Souls.
1: <laughs> and by finish, you mean to start over. <laughs> you
0: had to start it over. I'm sorry, but Seven is my favorite. It may be overrated because everybody likes it, but there's a reason why everybody likes it. Because it's good.
1: Yeah, I. I don't really have much to compare it to again because I've played so few of them. Yeah. It's it's the one I've played the most, so to me, the characters I like the most, not to say they're the best characters, but to be honest, I, I've really only played the handful, but I really like 12.
0: Well, there you go. Everybody's got their favorite. Let's see here. The next email comes in from Chad. And man, this is a doozy hmm holy moly okay nice howdy gang firstly i want to talk about the project america assignment all right first off it's assignment america chad come on you gotta you gotta you, you got watch america's Funniest Home videos uh <laughs> project america assignment uh, you gave it the end of the last episode regarding grinding Uh, I really haven't had to grind in anything since the Super EDS era. Basically, I hardly ever run from a battle, and most of the time there are some sort of side quests or sub-objectives built into the game. As long as I'm fighting anything I come across and uh, completing side quests, I usually have all the experience, abilities, and items I need throughout the game without needing to grind. However, the last enjoyable grinding experience I can think of in most recent memory was playing through Lost Odyssey in around 2008. Although this game has a decent story and fascinating characters, it was the gameplay loop and systems that I enjoyed the most. Grinding in that game does not feel like a chore because the systems are so well done. The QuickTime event ring mechanic for each combat maneuver kept you engaged and small layer of challenge for each action. Not only does the character level increase, but you are uh, grinding accessory character points, similar to Final Fantasy IX's mechanic. But most importantly, as you have previously mentioned, it respects the player by notifying them when they should move on from an area. If you are defeating enemies and start accumulating an experience of only one after each battle, the game is telling you that no more leveling is required and to continue with the story. In addition. And act-
1: actively prevents over leveling. Exactly. That way.
0: Yeah. It's basically saying, okay, this game's going to be, uh, the next part's going to be a little challenging, but you can handle it, basically. Uh, in addition the story is decent the characters are fascinating and has one of the most unique character background mechanics i have ever experienced in a game the short stories or lost memories are fantastic little vignettes about the immortals history that provides a glimpse of traumatic experiences that they have had in their past hundreds of years of living which helps characterize why they are uh, who they are now uh, some of them are incredibly sad if i'm not mistaken i think drew said this is the only game that make him openly weep like an infant those stories, those lost memories, are fantastic. They are so depressing. And they have made me cry. That is the only game that's ever made me cry, and man, it was impactful. Uh, so yeah, I want Jamie to play this game so badly because I know how emotionally involved she gets with the characters. I can just picture her sitting in front of the TV with a box of tissues as they're ready. <laughs> Anyway, that's enough about a game that we aren't even playing at the moment, just doing a little campaigning. (laughs) As for Final Fantasy XII, I figure I would provide a little bit of exposition for each of the story beats, based on my interpretation, which may help you with some open-ended questions you might have. Feel free to read as much or as little as you'd like. On the Leviathan... The Marquis knew that they were trying to save the leader of the resistance, and he also knew that she was being held captive on the Leviathan. Considering Larso was in the room and he was trying to stay in the good graces of the Empire, he called the guards to have everybody arrested and handed over to the Empire. However, the Marquis is also allied with the Alliance and asked Vossler to infiltrate the Leviathan as an Empire guard to help them. Upon speaking to Judge Geese, uh, this is when they first find out that Amalia is actually Princess Ash of Dalmasca. Judge Geese explains that Ash is being held in hope that she can be utilized by Vane to restore peace to Dalmasca under Empire rule. Uh, as long as it can be proven she is of royal blood, but do they, but to do so they need the Dusk Shard to prove her lineage. Uh, it's at this point, Vaughn basically says, Oh, you mean this? So he had the dust shard. There you go. Uh, handing over the dust shard to Judge Geese before uh, being led to a cell. Vossler and Larsa free the group. Uh, Larsa says he uh, uh, is not sure why Ash or Bosch uh, are alive, but he thinks it will probably prove beneficial to both Dalmasca and the Empire. He won't interfere and will wait to see what happens. Vossler leaves with Larsa and everyone else tries to make it to an airship to escape the Leviathan and ends up running into Judge Geese again. Geese says they don't really have any further need for her since they've proven who she really is. It will be easier for the Empire to kill her off and use someone that looks like her instead. Geese tries to use magic to kill them, but it is stopped by the Nethysite that Larsa gave Pinello. After defeating Geese, they escape using the Empire ship. Back at uh, in Berger, uh <laughs> after getting to safety, Ash chastises the Marquis actions to Bosch. Um, but Bosch explains that the Marquis made a calculated risk to help save her. Uh, acknowledging is truly trying to assist the resistance. Uh, Vossler explains that Ash is safer with Bosch and tells them to go to the Marquis. The Marquis explains that it was Vane's order to, for the, uh, for the Marquis to make the announcement that the Princess committed suicide and that it was intended to drive a wedge between Dalmasca and Beruzhava. Uh, Ash asked the Marquis to publicly ally with her against the Empire, but he is, uh, but he is, uh, reticent? Explaining? Yep. I, I don't know. That's, that's a new word. Thank you. Uh, I've never seen that word before in my life. Uh, explaining the Empire has stolen her only proof. Even if they were to defeat Vane, Ash does not currently have anything to validate her claim to the throne and would not be acknowledged by the, uh, Grand, uh, Kilti, Kiltius in burm Wow. I, <laughs> which I think is kind of like the Pope of the, at the Vatican. Uh, the Marquis suggests that Ash wait, waited out, uh, with him until they can find a window of opportunity, but Ash says she cannot stand by idly. Uh, Ash decides that she is going to steal the straw and find the dawn shard because she knows where it is hidden. Keep in mind there are three shards that all that are all pretty similar. The dusk shard, which was stolen by the Empire on the Leviathan, the dawn shard, which Ash says she knows where it is hidden, and the midlight shard—not the midnight, midlight shard—which uh, isn't mentioned yet in the story. Before Ash can take off in the straw, the entire party shows up and says they're going with her. Meanwhile, in Arcadia's, Judge uh, Gabernath, Bosch's twin brother, is having an audience with the Emperor, Vane and Lars's father. Gabernath, Gabranth, Gabranth, excuse me, uh, reports to the Emperor that doctor Sid is performing experiments funded by Vane at the uh, Drake Lore Laboratory. Uh, Gabranth uh, references a sixth judge named Zecht who was working for Vane and Dr. Sid during the assault on uh, Nabudus, and that he is missing. The Emperor says he can't trust Vane anymore and doesn't know what he is up to. It is also very clear at this point that the Emperor is sick and is pretty sure he is Uh close to death. Uh, he declares that Larsa should be his successor when he dies since that that decision is also supported by the Senate and no one trusts Vane. The Emperor appreciates uh, Gabaranth's ruthlessness and loyalty to the Empire but states he doesn't want Larsa to be that way. He expects Larsa to remain a good and benevolent ruler and requests that Gaboranth protect Larsa's purity to take care of Larsa's dirty work without him having any knowledge of it. The Emperor also explains that he is concerned that Vane may harm or corrupt Larsa, and that uh, Gabaranth should keep a close eye on him. Back in Dalmasca, the group crosses a couple of deserts to get to the tomb of the uh, dynast king Wraithwall. Wraithwall is an ancient ancestor of Ash and a legendary king of Dalmasca known to have possessed magical artifacts that were used in forging the uh, Guillotine Alliance, which fostered hundreds of years of peace amongst the kingdoms. After forging the alliance and achieving peace, Wraithwall left three magical relics to the kingdoms to maintain neutrality and of power. He left the Midlight Shard to uh, Nabiridia, the Dusk Shard to Damasca, and the Dawn Shard to re- be remained in the tomb of Wraithwall and knowledge of it to only known for the royalty of the, both those houses. After navigating the tomb, they confront Belias uh, the Gigas, uh, he is the gar- he is guarding the door to Wraithwall's treasure, and it is at this time the party is introduced to espers, which are the game's form of summons. Once past Belias, uh, they find the Dawn Shard. When Ash approaches the shard, she sees a vision of her dead husband, Prince Rassler. However, nobody else seems to see Rassler except for Ash and Vaughn. After grabbing the Dawn Shard and leaving the tomb, they see the whole fleet of Empire uh, airships descend on them at the tomb entrance. Judge Geese confronts them and demands the nethesite. At first, they think he is referring to the stone that Larsa gave Pinello, but Geese says that that rock is only a shoddy imitation. The three shards left behind the wraith wall is considered uh, def de- defecated de- nethysite, which holds true power. So, like d- basi-
1: d-f- d-f- basically, deified, basically
0: deified. Uh, Necessity, which holds true power. So basically, he is asking for the Dawn Shard that they just got from the tomb. Vosser, who has been accompanying the party, uh and reveals he has made a bargain with the Empire and states that they should hand over, should hand the shard over. He is ter- uh, tired of the war and thinks that just giving the Empire what they want will bring peace. They would still uh, be under the rule of the Empire, but at least there would be no more war. As payment for handing over the Dawn shard, Gies says Ash will be permitted to reclaim her throne over Dalmasca, but it will still be under the Empire's rule. She would be royalty and title only. Gies explains that Ash must make a decision or he will start killing her friends one by one. It is at this point that Ash hands over the Dawn shard. Gies orders his men to hold the Cardi captive on the airship Shiva. Geese hands the Don shard over to one of his scientists and asks him to validate its power, stating he doesn't want to hand over the um, over to the Empire until he knows for sure it is the right stone. On board the Shiva, <sighs> Vosler explains to Ash that he's uh, brokered his agreement with Larsa after they uh, left together on the Leviathan, and that they, she should trust him. Ash basically tells him to fuck off. Huh. Once the scientists uh, start testing the Dawn Shard, Fran senses the mist power emanating from it and goes buck nutty, <laughs> taking, out, taking out the guards. Vossler tries to stop them but is defeated. As Vossler is dying, the Dawn Shard starts draining power over the ship. Uh, the Shard explodes, and Shiva, just up after the party barely escapes on an airship, creates a huge mist cloud that engulfs the entire fleet. However, the Dawn Shard remains intact, and the party flies back to retrieve it. The Marquis uses this opportunity to try and unify all of the Resistance forces against the Empire. Ash and the party return to Ravenaster, but remain incognito with the Dawn Shard in their possession. Although the Empire's Eighth Fleet was annihilated, they still remain too powerful. Trying to reclaim the throne at this point would have made things worse in strategically unifying the Resistance. Happy gaming, everyone. Chad.
1: Uh one last comment on the end. I did think it was interesting that Arcadia also seems nervous though. They said without our 8th fleet here, we're a bit
0: we're vulnerable, at a, we're at a disadvantage.
1: Yep, and we need we need to keep everybody guessing and not let anyone know how vulnerable we are so that they don't invade us, which I thought was interesting given that they're such a military power. Yeah.
0: Thank you Chad for that very insightful email. You did not have to do that. Um, but it is greatly appreciated that you did. Um, so we learned some stuff that I, that apparently I'm an idiot and don't see it. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, wow. Uh, this is possibly one of the most successful Phoenix Downs we've had in a long time.
1: Yeah. As far as engagement engagement with the audience,
0: man. Yeah, I really appreciate this. Like everybody sending emails, even if you're telling us off. Yeah. That's fine. Tell us off some more. It's drew at ztgd.com. <laughs> you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS and the podcast itself is at ztgd Phoenix down. Um, we're going to get out of here. That's, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, until next week, I am Drew and I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week with the continuation of Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age.